Welcome. Welcome. As you can see, I'm not Pastor Rick. <laughs> Pastor Rick was called away on business this morning, and so let's keep Pastor Rick and Leah in our prayers today. Glory be to God. Hello, my name is Pastor Misty. I am the associate pastor here at Thrive Church. Hallelujah. 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 Those that are watching on live stream this morning, uh, welcome. God bless you. Welcome to Thrive. Our motto is that we don't just survive, we thrive. We do this summed up in three words, grow, develop, succeed. We are growing a kingdom. We are developing our character, and we succeed by doing the call of God in our lives, in the local church, and the community. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Hallowed be thy holy name. Heavenly Father, as your presence has filled, your presence and your glory has filled this place, oh Father, right where we are dwelling, Lord God, I pray that your word will permeate our hearts, oh Father, that we, Lord God, will meditate upon your word day and night, knowing how important it is, oh Father, to seek you, and those that seek you shall find you. Those that ask, Father, ask, oh Father, they have confusion, they have misunderstandings, they need knowledge, they need wisdom. Those that ask you, it shall be given. Those that want you, Father, they want you. They haven't yet accepted you as their Lord and Savior, but they are knocking at the door this morning. Oh, Father, you said those that are knock, the door shall be open. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for bringing us all in this one place, in one accord, one baptism, and one spirit, and one God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us get started this morning. Our text is going to come out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. If you have your Bible or your iPad or your tablet or your phone, just let me know when you have that scripture. Amen? We're going to read but one scripture today. It says, you, you guys there? And take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation. Why would the helmet of salvation be important? If we were to take the, the simplest application to what the helmet of salvation means, it would be that we had better be saved if we are going to battle against the devil. Because everybody and anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior loses daily. And they will lose ultimately to the devil. Our victory over the devil comes only through the saving relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Paul here in Ephesians chapter 6 is talking to Christians. He's telling them that now are saved that you must do something else. You must put on the whole armor of God. And with that, this helmet of salvation is resting in the assurance 
of that salvation. You know, we sing that song, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. That resting assurance that Jesus is ours. And we put that helmet on. Helmets are there for protection. When riding down the road, and I was talking to Mark on Thursday, and he said, what does this title mean? And the title of today's message is Protect Your Head. And he said, what does that mean? I protect my head with my helmet when I ride in the motorcycle. And I said, yes, helmets are there to protect you when you're riding a motorcycle. Helmets are there to protect children when they're riding bicycles. Helmets are used for construction workers on the job. Firefighters wear helmets. Soldiers in combat wear helmets. And the purpose for the helmet is understandable. It is there to protect a very important part of the body, the brain. And what is so important about to protect the head? One may survive a broken arm or a few broken ribs. As a matter of fact, I want to pray for Darren. This last week in his academy and his training, he may have cracked a rib or two. But thank God he's still standing. He was up there playing the bass today. And so can we just have you stand for a second, Derek? We just want to um, stretch forth our hands and let's pray for Derek in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for helping us to overcome the wiles of the enemy. And we pray right now that everything in Derek's body will align in Jesus' mighty name from the crown of his head to the soles of his living feet. Father, if there is a cracked rib in there, oh, Father, oh, pray, I pray that you will mend it back together again faster. And the healing, oh, Father, faster, Lord God, than just an ordinary break, oh, Father, or an ordinary crack, Lord God. Do the supernatural and mend it together quickly. And we cover you, Derek, as your, as your weeks continue. We cover you over any uh, bruises that, as you battle, any breaks oh, as you battle in this academy. Father, help Derek and make him strong in you, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So one may survive a broken arm in battle or a few broken ribs, but if you have a head injury, it could easily become fatal. An injury to the head is serious. Encased within the head is the brain. And the brain is the center of our thinking. So if we're going to protect anything, it needs to be our mind. The mind is the prime target. It's the enemy's playground. It's the prime target of our battles against Satan. One good blow to the mind is oftentimes all the devil needs to accomplish his task. Many times all the devil has to do is to create devastation and destruction to the place where he places his thoughts in someone else's mind. And then boom, splinters scatter. Hate, envy, jealousy, strife. God said to protect your head. Put on the helmet of salvation. Obey my word. Stand on my word. Stand with the assurance that I got you. Do not be deceived by the enemy for everything he speaks is false. He is a liar. 
This is no time to walk around in this time, this season, in this atmosphere with your head unprotected because you have an enemy out there roaring around like a lion ready to kill, steal, and destroy you. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he tells them, put on the whole armor of God because the church is under attack. There is not a person in this room that is not constantly under attack. No matter how blessed you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter how accomplished you are, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how fruitful you are, somewhere in your life you are either being attacked or about to be. God said, I'm going to bless you, but you've got to get dressed for the battle. And while you're receiving the blessing, with every blessing there is a battle. The greater the blessing, the greater the battle. The enemy will not send that level of battle against you if you are not facing that level of blessing before you. The level of battle you face is the indication of the level of blessings that you stand to receive. Nobody robs a person that doesn't have anything to steal. If you are under attack, there is something to be gained. So the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles, the tactics, the antics of the devil. He's roaring around, ready to see who he can deceive. Are you unprotected? Will you fall prey? Are you an easy target for the devil? How many times has he caused you to trip up and you know the word of God? Put on that helmet. Get your head right. Start thinking right. Hallelujah. And then God says, and once you've done all that, stand. See, you didn't get all dressed up to run. You got all dressed up to stand. Hallelujah. Not to give place to, to the devil. Not to give place or territory to the devil. Not to give place to the territory that God said was already yours. Not to evacuate the turf that is yours. The Bible says that if you're going to hold on to what you've been given, you're going to have to stand because the tempter is coming. Are you strong? Are you strong in the Lord that even when you have stood, you still stand some more? No matter what it looks like in the hospital, no matter what you're facing, no matter what death and destruction you think is over here, you know that God is your rescuer and he is your shepherd and he is your shelter and he shall not allow anything to overtake you. He said his spirit will raise up a standard against the enemy when the enemy tries to come in like a flood. Hallelujah. You stand you stand, you stand, having done all to stand as your willpower, your strength, your might, having done all, stand. You, you stand with your loins girded about with truth, and then you begin to, you, you begin to equip 
yourself in battle. And it comes down to the helmet of salvation. How important is it to protect your head? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. Glory be to his holy name, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what? Against the knowledge of God. The high things that are coming against you are coming against the knowledge of God. It's coming against what you know about God. What you know about God. What you know to be true. You know you're healed. The symptoms come to convince you that you are not. You know that you're free. He that the, front, the sun sets free is free. Indeed, you know that you're free. The enemy comes against your freedom to convince you that you don't have what God has already released to you. The Bible calls his attacks imaginations. You're being fought by imagination. You wake up tired in the morning because although you might have slept, you didn't rest because all in your sleep you were fighting. The Bible says there is a helmet that will protect your head. Head speaks to leadership. Head speaks to government. Most people are living their lives from a heart place and not a head place. They are so engrossed with what the heart feels, they have not covered what the head thinks. Most people are governed by their emotions. They're having a heart experience in a head fight. You will never win a battle if you're having a hard experience in a head fight. You're telling the enemy how you feel has nothing to do with what you know. And if you're going to deal with a knower, never approach a knower with feelings. You've got to approach a knower with the fact. The enemy wants to mess with your head and leave you with your feelings. Real decisions that move your life along are not coming out of your feelings. They're coming out of your head. Real opportunities that God will open up for you have to come out of your head, not out of your feelings. No soldier will go into battle without putting on his helmet. And we should not enter a spiritual battle without a helmet, without our helmet of salvation. And if we are going to be who we need to be as Christians, then we need to guard our hearts and our minds from the fiery darts of the enemy, fill our minds with the right things, and keep our minds stayed upon the Lord. I had a conversation with uh, a coworker, a friend, and they were telling me that in their Christian walk, one thing that they were lacking the most of is that they didn't read the Word of God for themselves. And they really knew how important it was. And as much as they wanted to, to, to invest in that, they said, you know what? I'm going to take my feelings aside. You know, I'm, I'm kind of lazy in this area, but I'm going to step up and make a choice. I'm going to open the Word of God. I'm going to start reading it daily because I need to know what God says about me. And then he asked, 
where do I start? And me being a, a psalmist and a worship leader, uh, I was like, start in the book of Psalms. Start in the book of Psalms. We get saved when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we need to take our salvation further than just giving our hearts to Christ. We need to develop a spiritual life. Develop, grow, develop, succeed. Isn't that our motto here at Thrive Church? We should all have our helmets of salvation on this morning. We are, we are in the world, but we are no longer of the world. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, old things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. How many would agree that as Christians, we need to be growing in the Lord? If you've been here 30 years, and you're still doing the same things, and it's not getting you the blessings of the Lord, then you might need to reevaluate the things that you're doing. Because lunacy is like that. That's the definition of lunacy. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. We need to develop our minds spiritually. It is our duty as followers of Christ, having knowledge of him, wisdom of his word, and understanding of his word. Study, the Bible says, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. If we don't have his word in us, well, we will just go after the, our own way of thinking, whatever a man thinketh. He'll be going by his feelings. Well, I think this is right. I'm not sure, but what we feel is right or what we, what we feel we should say or what we feel we should do, we won't really know unless we invest time in the word of God. Man will just be led by their own way of thinking. There are so many people that are so abstract and they're just moving along from day to day out of their emotions and their feelings. I don't know, I'm just not feeling it today. I'll come back on Thursday, come back on Friday. Don't mess with me, I can't handle this right now. Oh, Stacy, not again. Just joking, she never does that to me. But when we do those things and a person really, 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 really really needs to speak to you. We are canceling out opportunities when we don't because it is with the mind that we serve the Lord. It is not out of our feelings. It is not the dance. It is not the shouts. It is not holding your Bible up. Fun fact, did you know that the apostles did all their mighty acts and had never read the Bible? It hadn't been put together yet. They had to go off of what they knew. Paul could read Ephesians. Paul couldn't read Ephesians. He wrote it. He had to go by what he knew. So if the word was, so that the word was in his heart and not in his hand. The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
How would you know if you're sinning against God unless you have his word in your heart? you got to know it. you got to know it. It has to leap off the page and become a part of your consciousness. You have to know it. Put on the helmet of salvation. How important. You have to know it. The enemy is pushing you back on what is rightfully yours. I'm seeing some of you be defeated on a daily basis because it's a head thing. It's a head thing. You're in a head fight. You're in a head-butting contest with the devil, and you're going by what your feelings are telling you and not by what you know. Stand on the word, the sure foundation on which I stand. Curd yourself with the belt of truth. What he's saying against what you know is how the fight started in the Garden of Eden. It's how Jesus whipped him in the wilderness. It's how you're going to defeat him in the hospital. It's how you're going to be getting out of debt. Glory to God. Your mind will be talking about what you think, and you're going to have to come back with what you know is rightfully yours. Are you guys getting into this today? Hallelujah. A person who does not function out of their head is a person without government. A person who moves totally out of their emotions is exempt from the greater opportunities in life because they will forfeit what God has given because of feelings. God did not promise you that your feelings would line up with the fact. And I'm sorry, I'm just blessing everybody. Hallelujah. You got to have the facts or you can't win the battle against the enemy. Let me tell you, the devil is not fighting you uh, uh, over your feelings. He is fighting you over your mind. He is giving you images and imaginations and threats of disaster to send your heart into panic mode so that you will digress mentally from the leadership that the rest of your body so desperately needs. It has come. It has to come from the facts and not your feelings. Not your feelings. Your feelings will never line up with the facts. It is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus in the wilderness when the devil, the tempter, came to tempt Jesus and, and just create all kinds of habit. And Jesus wasn't having it. It wasn't as if Jesus said, you know, I am so hungry. I've been here for 40 days. If I could just turn this stone into bread and eat in Jesus' name, I'm just going to go ahead and take that. God's not going to be mad at me. This is what I need. This is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling uh, uh, weakened. I'm feeling parched. I'm feeling fatigued. Oh, I'm feeling so hungry. He did not confront the devil with feelings. He knew what his body was suffering and feeling, but he did not confront the enemy with his feelings because the devil has no compassion on how you feel. He's coming after what you know. Mindless, whatever you do, protect thy head. Thine word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin 
against you, God. Pull your feelings out of it. Pull your insecurities and your vulnerabilities out of it. Those childhood voices that, that come back to attack you and the rest, of the, uh, the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but there are certain things in my life that went wrong. They went really wrong. Like, Dad, man, he was a creep one time. He went really wrong. And as a child, I suffered, and I'm like, God, God. And he healed me. He helped me to forgive. And I stand before you today with the whole armor of God on. But I am not going to lie to you. As the Bible says, take, you can also take off. And the fiery darts come. And the enemy uses those same old tricks. And he starts sending those darts. And before I know it, my heart is overwhelmed. And I'm trying to cast all my cares on him. Oh, God, please remove this thought from me. Remove this thinking from me. I don't want it. It makes me feel yucky. It makes me feel bad. I don't want it. And he says, Misty, I've given you something to help protect you. And he said, read my word. So I go in, and I find scriptures that are healing. And they are like marrow to my bones. And it's good. And I can taste and see that the Lord is good. And before I know it, whatever it was that was attacking me, I had put on the whole armor of God, and I was girded about, and I was standing in truth. And God said, I am a child of God. You are mine, and I am yours. You don't have anything to worry about. I got you. I got you. I'm going to put my hand of protection upon you. And the glory of the Lord will rest upon your head. For just like Aaron, when he had anointed oil, it covered his head first. And then his cup could runneth over without anointing the head first, without having your head clear. God can't put his glory on a head that is not clear. And you will do great exploits. You will do great exploits. Imaginations in high places and high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. You are in a head-butting contest with the devil, and your head has to be hard. Put on the helmet of salvation so that your head is hard, enough to put it up against, uh, up against what's standing in your way and fight your way out of it. What does the Bible say about fighting? Fight the good fight of faith. You still have to do your part and stand. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God has no pleasure in those who don't believe. Because his soul takes no pleasure. To those who walk away from God and know what's rightfully yours. You were his. And you're going to give all that up for what? So you can suffer? That sounds like lunacy to me. What you are saying to yourself determines 
whether you win or lose. If the woman with the issue of blood would have said, I am so tired. I am so lonely. I'm so broke. I have no more doctors to use. They don't even want to see me because they said they can't help me. I'm so tired. I just want to be held. I haven't been held in 12 years. I just want to be with my husband. I haven't been with him in 12 years. I've been unclean for 12 long years. If she would have said, I might as well die, she would have. Because the confession of your faith is going to determine whether you win or lose. Hallelujah. But we know that that's not how the story goes. She didn't just give up and say, I might as well die. Instead, she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. What you say to yourself determines how far you can go. I am challenging you to change the way you talk to you. Just at work the other day at the restaurant in Kingsport where I work, Buffalo Wild Wings, and my manager forgot to give me some money. And we had all closed out. It was after midnight. And uh, I run to her car, and I'm like, oh, you forgot to give me that $50, $50. And she said, oh, I am so stupid. And I said, no, you're not. It was busy. We were all busy. And she was like, no, no, no. I do this. I do this. I'm so stupid. Man, have you ever heard people say, I'm such a loser. Such a, I don't even like myself. I hate myself. And when I hate myself, I hate others. I'm so judgmental. I know I'm judgmental. But you know what? I like being miserable. Misery likes company. What you say to yourself determines how far you can go. I'm sick. I'm really 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 sick. Oh, no. The doctor's report. I got cancer. I got cancer. No. I got cancer. Oh, my God. I'm going to die. What you say to yourself determines how far you can go. In the original Greek language, it says that she said over and over again, oh, why she was crawling in the crowd, if I may but touch, if I may but touch, if I may but touch, the solidarity of her confession over and over and over and over and over again brought about her deliverance. She didn't give up. When you do all you can and you stand, you keep on standing. Put on the helmet. Of salvation. Paul said, let the poor say, I am rich. I am rich. I am rich. I am rich in him. I am rich. My daddy owns everything. I am rich in him. I am rich in him. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. The enemy can't defeat me. I have God backing me. Hallelujah. Scripture in Psalms says he's a fortress. 
round about me, and nothing shall penetrate those walls. Glory be to God. You can't get it until you got it up here in your head. You can't have it in your hand until you got it in your head. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Do I think that I'm a loser? Or do I think that I am a child of the living God? I am a child of the living God. And what is that detail? I am free. I have wisdom because he says, those who have not asked me liberally will I give it to you. And because I've asked liberally has it been given unto me. Those carnal childish feelings. It doesn't matter if we're 40 years old. We can have carnal, childish feelings. It doesn't matter if we're 70 years old. We can still have carnal, childish feelings and emotions you contend with on a daily basis are saboteurs to your destiny. Your feelings will never cooperate with your dreams. Beat your feelings into captivity because when you beat your feelings into captivity, that is what true discipline is. When you have no control on this thing right here called the heart, I mean, how many times has your heart led you into danger? And you know you want to just shut off God's word. You know what to do is right, but you're letting your heart and your emotions slide because it gratifies the flesh. It feels good. Cling to that thing. It feels good, but I know my heavenly Father is not pleased about it. Everything we do, we think we do in secret. It's not in secret. It may be secret from your peers, but God is God of all knowing, and nothing is hidden from Him. And if He wants to expose it to your peers, a light will be the darkness that lives in you. The Holy Spirit will not be fooled. Will not be fooled. That's why we try to work on our children. That's why we try to get their head right. They get their head right, and the dope dealer can't take them. If they get their head right, the abuser can't abuse them. If they get their head right, we won't have to worry about who they're dating because that daughter or son will know who they are in Christ Jesus. And when tempted to to do something that is not good, they will say, wait a minute. You're going to butt this helmet tonight. There's a story about Eli in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and Eli was the priest at that time, and he had two sons, and they were looking over God's temple, and Eli was letting his sons run amok. Sexuality was just running amok, and Eli was mindless. It says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days, but the 
word of the Lord was scarce. It was dim. Eli knew right from wrong. But he loved his son so much with the feelings that he felt, he could not correct them. And ultimately, they lost the battle against the Philistines. And his two sons died. And he could have withstood that. He could have withstood that. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and they will not depart from me, God says, when they are old. And because the kingdom was mindless, the vision was dim, the kingdom was collapsing because of what was empty in the head. The emptiness of the head had destroyed the success of the kingdom, of the priesthood, because the priesthood was mindless. Eli was not strong enough to discipline his own children because his emotions were leading and not his head. And when he had heard that his sons had died, a messenger had come to tell him, and the glory of the Lord was told, had departed from him. He was a big man. He was 98 years old, and his vision was becoming dim. And he threw himself back. He was sitting on his throne. He threw himself back, and it broke the gate because of the girth. And he fell, and guess what happened? He broke his neck, and he died. And what I'm trying to tell you is that his head came off. His head came off. Samuel comes to a place of prominence during this time in the kingdom because his head was on right. You know, you see people being blessed, and you're like, you're not really happy for him because you're like, I've been serving God for a long time, and it's like the blessings are just raining, just raining. Man, look at all the promises. It's just raining. What is so different? Because God, God doesn't have your whole heart. He says, if you, if you love me, you say out of your mouth you love me, but your actions have to speak louder than your words. If you love me, you're going to obey my word. And I told you to do something, and you didn't do it. And now you expect my blessings to still rain on you. You are the prodigal son. You're in the hog pen. You're not going to walk out of the hog pen until you can think out of the hog pen. The Bible said the prodigal son came to himself and said, I will arise and go to my father's house. I'm not going to be broke any longer. I may be in the hog pen, but I am not of the hog pen. I'm coming out of the hog pen. I'm better than this. I'm a child of God. When you come to yourself and you get your head right, your government back, it changes your confession. Progress only happened when the prodigal son got his head right. We are married to habits that are ineffective. We are loyal to things that we know don't work but we continue in them because of our feelings. Eli lost his head, and the power shifted, and the world changed. Hallelujah. 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 